Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Amen. You know, times like that are great times to encourage one another, as we are called to do, uh, to sing to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, to share a word of encouragement or wisdom with each other. Uh, if the Lord started a great conversation with you at that point, continue it following the service. Uh, you may be the answer to someone's prayer today. Someone waiting for someone to encourage them or pray with them or love them in Jesus' name. So those are such glorious moments in the time of our church family. Let's hold on to those with great joy. Will you please now turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've reprinted our text on the back of the bulletin. We're examining the lives of the saints mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which the author calls a great cloud of witnesses. And then after listing all these wonderful, incredible stories in Hebrews 11 of Old Testament saints, the author then says in Hebrews 12 that we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we've been doing that, looking at an Old Testament saint and then fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, This morning we'll be looking at the faith of Isaac, and not just the faith of Isaac, but the faith of Isaac's family, which I think is really going to help us think through how to pass on the faith as a church family. Uh, Before I read our text, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins that we confessed earlier. Thank you that you love us and you are always faithful, even if and when we have been unfaithful. Thank you that no matter what our hearts have been doing this morning, and no matter where our minds have been wandering this morning, no matter what joys we've been seeking apart from you, Lord, you promise that when we gather on the Lord's day to worship you, your word will not return void. Your Holy Spirit will not be on pause. The fruit of your spirit will grow in your people, and we will go away nourished by you. And so thank you for this glorious time in your word. Give us eyes to see what you want us to see, ears to hear your loving and tender voice, and hearts to receive your words with joy, so that we might glorify you with our lives this week. Thank you for this time of worship and this time in your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11 starting in verse 17, and I'll be reading through verse 22. This is the good and glorious word of our Lord. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph... At the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. 
This is a picture of generational faith passed down from one generation to the next. Uh, I'd like to use Isaac as our representative this morning for a few reasons. First, we read that his dad offered Isaac up as a sacrifice to God in obedience to God. But when Abraham was doing that, Isaac was the proof of God's promise. Isaac was the proof of God's faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Well, Abraham knew that God was faithful because God had already provided a miracle for him in his son, his biological son, Isaac. So Abraham's offering up of the promise of God was mentioned. And then Isaac's faith is mentioned in how he blesses his own children and passes it on. Then his son Jacob's faith is mentioned. And then his grandson Joseph's faith is mentioned. Four generations of faith. For today, Isaac will be our main focus. And Isaac was God's promise to Abraham. Isaac was proof of the promise. And because of Isaac's life, Abraham was able to trust God more. Isaac was able to trust God more. Isaac was able to say to his children, Jacob and Esau, let's trust God after I die. And then into the next generation. Isaac was proof of God's promise. Do you have that? Is there something in your history where you can look back and say, that person was God's promise keeping to me? That moment, that job, that missions trip, that work in my heart, that act of discipline where God broke me down and I repented of my sins and I turned to him and since then I've been growing in peace or growing in joy or growing in hope. Do you have those moments? Do you have at least one? If so, that moment for you is like Isaac was for his whole generational family and their faith. Isaac was proof of God's promise. A couple weeks ago at our men's breakfast, I heard two men share their testimonies. And in each of them, a person or a moment or a circumstance happened to their life. And they said, that's where I knew God was faithful. And the telling of those stories helps us trust God and pass the faith on to the next generation. So Isaac was proof of God's promise. If you have that, tell that story all the time. It will encourage you. It will encourage the faith of your brothers and sisters in the family of God. Isaac's life and faith show us the legacy of faith. Isaac's our key person this morning, but really the whole family is in mind. But verse 20 is about Isaac. Look at verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So Isaac, by faith, as messy as his story is, if you read Genesis, Isaac is not a paragon of virtue. But he had faith and he passed it on. So what we see in Isaac's life is two things this morning about his faith. Two things, and they'll be our two main points. First, God is faithful. God is faithful. Isaac was proof of that. He believed that and he passed that on. God is faithful. And second, our second point is pass it on. Pass it on. God is faithful, pass it on. First, God is faithful. Let's briefly go over a little bit of history about this offering up of Isaac by Abraham. God had promised Abraham back in Genesis 12 
I'm going to pick you from all the nations and I am going to give you many, many descendants, more than the stars in the sky and the sand in the seashore. From you, biologically, will come many, many descendants. And God made that promise to Abraham, but they didn't have any biological children. So how was it going to happen? Abraham and his wife were very old. It was going to require God stepping into their lives miraculously for God to keep that promise. And they were old. And they doubted God. And we heard last week, by faith Sarah was last week, that they tried other ways to get God's promise to them. And they tried sinful ways to get God's promise to them, and they all failed. But finally, God steps in and miraculously gives them a biological offspring when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. So Isaac was the promise of God in the flesh. And as we think about Isaac, if Abraham is going to have many biological descendants, Isaac was literally the only way God could do that. The only way God could give Abraham physical descendants was through the life and eventual children of Isaac. Isaac was the promise, and Abraham received the promise of God. And then the story that's recounted in Hebrews here. In Genesis 22, God has a request of Abraham, a command. In Genesis 22, God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, to give Isaac up. And God said, essentially, give up your son, your only son, and I will still give you physical, biological descendants, but you have to trust me with Isaac's life. But we remember, as we read in Genesis, Isaac was the only way God could do that. If Isaac dies, God can't keep his promise. And God says to Abraham, offer up Isaac, your son, your only son. So Abraham is put in a position that some of you have been in, and maybe all of you have been in. Abraham was put in the position to trust what he thought for sure was God's promise to him, Isaac's life, or to trust God. Abraham was put in the position through Isaac's life to trust what he knew for sure was God's promise to him, or to trust God, to trust the promise or the promiser, to trust the gift or the gift giver, to trust the blessing or the blesser. Abraham had to trust God and not the thing he knew for sure was the promise of God. How often are we in that spot? Lord, you gave me this. I'm sure of it. You wouldn't ask me to give it up, would you? This job, you gave it to me and it was a miracle. I couldn't believe it. I've been telling this story. Are you asking me to give it up now? I thought that was proof of your promise, Lord. This relationship, this situation, or for some of you, Lord, you finally gave me, after many, many years of depending on you, you gave me financial security. Are you really asking me to give that up, to go on the mission field, to give that up, to sacrificially serve someone in my family or, or a stranger even? Are you really, I thought it was your promise, now you're asking me to give it up? That's what God asked Abraham. But God is God and he can do with our lives as he pleases and he writes our chapters and sometimes he writes a chapter for you and me where our role in that chapter of the book, of the book he's writing for us, is to trust not the thing we thought was his promise, but just to trust God himself. And when we trust him, we're blessed and he's glorified. But it is so hard 
So the question for us as we consider Abraham offering up Isaac is, do we trust God? Or, as the enemy is going to tempt us this week, this month, this year, are we only going to trust God when we agree with him? If you're uh, in a parent-child relationship, uh, you know that sometimes the kids only want to obey mom and dad when they agree with them, which as they get older, is never. (laughs) But sometimes it is, and it's a beautiful thing. Parents, sometimes you only want to trust God with your kiddos when you agree with God's plan for your kid. God, I want my child to have the American dream and and riches and blessing and academics and all of these things. Are you really calling them to just suffer like this? Are you really calling them to lose here? And as parents, we don't always trust God. The enemy is going to tempt us. Don't trust God if you don't agree with him. Don't trust God's word if you don't like it. If you only trust the Bible and what it teaches when you agree with it, then you're the authority and not the Bible. So Abraham is put into this position, and the enemy wants to tempt us. And we learn how to doubt authority right from the start as kids, because we're sinners. You tell a child, eat these vegetables, and eventually the child figures out, I have an idea, I am not going to eat the vegetables. Put this on and get dressed for church. I have an idea, I'm not going to wear that for church. Apologize to your brother. No, he deserved it. Eden's Barbies are not weapons. Put them down. No. Okay, some of that actually happened, but not recently. We love to question authority. We love to question authority. It's a very American thing to question authority, isn't it? So the people around us are questioning authority. It comes naturally because of our sinfulness. And it means we want to be God. We want to be God. We only really want to obey God when we like the plan or agree with his reasoning. And Abraham is put in the incredible situation. And some of you might be this year. Some of you might be in this spot right now. Will Abraham trust what he thought was God's promise, Isaac, or will he trust God? So how does Abraham respond? The author of Hebrews, when he's talking about Isaac's faith and the passing on of generational faith, wants us to remember that Isaac was the child of promise and Abraham was asked to give him up. So how did Abraham respond? Abraham obeys. He responds in faith. And Abraham's faith, as you think about the person of Isaac, is essentially saying this testimony to us. I don't know how God is going to provide this week. I just know that God is my provider. That's what faith says. I don't know how God is going to provide, but I know that God is my provider. That is a phrase of faith. That is Abraham and Isaac and the offering up of Isaac. Faith says that. So he took Isaac out almost all the way to a complete sacrifice. And we learn from the author of Hebrews that Abraham believed something that maybe most of us don't even get to that place of believing. He believed that the impossible must be possible. So look back at Hebrews eleven, seventeen through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This was the guy, the only way God could keep his promise. Now look at verse 19. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So what was Abraham thinking? Probably lots of things, but he was essentially thinking, God, 
promised to give me physical, biological descendants through Isaac. And if Isaac dies, I guess God's going to have to bring him back from the dead. That's what Abraham was thinking. Isaac reminds us to have incredible faith that God can do what nothing else in this world can do. With faith, nothing is impossible for God. Now, how is Abraham able to have faith like that? He remembered that God had already given him a miracle. He remembered that God had already stepped into his story to give him a child when his wife was past the age of childbearing. He remembered, he told the story, God has already stepped in miraculously in my life. I guess I can trust him again. And if you've been born again in Jesus Christ by grace through faith in him, you already have received the miracle of the new birth. You're already a walking, talking, testifying miracle to God's faithfulness. And so you have that story in your history and you can tell that story. I was lost and then he found me. I was blind and now I can see I was a slave to sin and now I've been set free from the prison of my sins. He's already given me a miracle. I'll trust him tomorrow. That's what faith says. Isaac's life was that. So here is a principle for us. Faith remembers God's past faithfulness and then expects God's future faithfulness. I'll say it two more times. Faith remembers God's past faithfulness and expects God's future faithfulness. That's what Abraham did with Isaac. I remember what he did. He gave me Isaac. I guess he could give him back to me. So faith remembers God's past faithfulness, and expects God's future faithfulness. Well, that's Abraham as he offered up Isaac. We're talking about Isaac this morning. Isaac is the centerpiece of our message. But Isaac is also an incredible character. We don't know how old Isaac was at this point, but he's old enough to ask good questions. And in order to ask your parents good questions, you have to be at least 12 months old, right? <laughs> Uh, Sarah uh, works in uh, uh, childcare at our school, our kids' school. She's got two-year-olds and up to three-year-olds. And she said one of them is just like, why, 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 why? <laughs> over and over and over again. Isaac was older than that. Isaac understood the sacrificial system already. He knew what was going on that day when he and Abraham were walking up to offer a sacrifice. Back in Genesis 22... Verse 7, let me read it, 22, 7 and 8 in Genesis 22. Isaac says to his dad, they're going out to make a sacrifice. He says, behold, dad, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Like something is missing from this here. Abraham said, now listen to the faith, because Abraham knew he could trust God because of his past. Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, So they went, both of them, together. So Isaac walks with his dad in faith. Isaac learns from his father that even when the evidence says otherwise, I should trust God. That's what Isaac was learning as a boy from his father. Isaac went not knowing where the sacrifice would be coming from. He even carried his own wood that he was going to be laid on to be sacrificed. But then God stops Abraham. It was never God's intention to let Isaac be harmed. It was a test for Abraham's faith, but it was also showing the world that we can trust God's promises. If you know the story, a ram from a thicket was provided to take Isaac's place. So now look at verse 19 from Hebrews 11 again. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. God had given Isaac to Abraham miraculously. 
so God could give Isaac back to Abraham miraculously. But God provided a substitute instead. And after we evaluate this story and think about this story and read it, we're encouraged by the faith, but we're supposed to eventually move from this and fix our eyes on Jesus. And guess what God did with his own son? He brought his own son up a hill called Calvary. And Jesus carried his own wood of the cross up the hill. And God the Father put Jesus, his son, on the cross, and Jesus died in the place of sinners as a substitution. There was no ram from a thicket to come take Jesus' spot. In fact, Jesus is the Lamb of God who was the substitute who got on the wooden cross for our sins. Jesus was the substitute, and Jesus died. Isaac didn't die. He was a child of promise, but he didn't die. But an eventual offspring of Isaac did die, but he didn't stay dead. God did bring his own son back from the dead. So Isaac is a foreshadowing of Jesus. One author says it this way, and I can't say it any better, so I'm just going to read it. Jesus is the true and better Isaac, who was not just offered up by his father on the mount, but was truly sacrificed for us. And when God said to Abraham, now I know you love me because you didn't withhold your son, your only son whom you love from me. The author says, now we can look to God as we think about Abraham and Isaac. We can look to God taking his son up the mountain and sacrificing him. And we can say to God, now God, we know that you love us because you didn't forsake your only son. You didn't withhold him from us because you loved us. And so Romans 8.32 is a great verse to memorize. Romans 8.32, memorize this verse. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32, memorize it. Remember it on Tuesday when you're being asked to do something hard, when life is hard, when you're persecuted for your faith, when you're being tempted by the enemy. Remember that the one who could have kept his son for himself gave his son up for you and me. Now, along with him, he will graciously give us all things. Everything you need, God will graciously give you this week. So Isaac reminds us that God is faithful and he loves us. So two things of Isaac's story. First, God is faithful. And second, and I think most helpful for our church today, pass it on. Pass it on. Passing on the faith is a clear theme in the Bible. Now look at verses 20 through 22 again. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Those were his two sons. By faith, Jacob, when dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph, that's his grandkids, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So we've got Abraham, his son Isaac, Isaac's son Jacob, and Jacob's son Joseph. Four generations of faith. So let's go through these quickly. There's a lot more to say. And you want to read the whole book of Genesis to see how all of this plays out. But briefly, verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Invoking future blessings goes like this. Son, daughter, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you peace. It's praying God's protection, praying God's blessing, praying God's hope over your children's lives. 
And Isaac does this particularly at the end of his life, even though it's a really interesting story with Jacob and Esau and the birthright, and there's a lot going on there. But Isaac knew at the end of his life, he didn't want to die in the faith, having not said for one final time, children, you have watched me and you remember your father Abraham. We trusted God when it was the hardest. I want you to remember that when I die. Trust God when it is the hardest. So Isaac invokes future blessings on Jacob and Esau. He's dying, passing the faith on to his kids. Well, then Jacob does the same thing. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. So he's worshiping and he's blessing his grandkids. Okay. Uh, Raise your hand if you have grandkids. Okay. Put your hands down. Pray for your grandkids every day. You can have a huge impact in their spiritual life and health. And grandparents or spiritual grandparents, if there are little kiddos in your life and you're of the grandparent age, but you don't have biological kids, grandkids, fine. Tell the grandchildren, the spiritual grandchildren in your life that God has been faithful to you. Pass it on. And just like every family, there's that one weird uncle, right? And maybe you're that one weird uncle. I think a lot of people think I'm the weird uncle in the, in the family. At least in Sarah's family, right? Oh, that Dave, he's a, he's a strange guy. But we're a family. And we're not biologically related. We're spiritually related. And so we are all called to pass on the faith to the people of this congregation. Especially from the older to the younger In Titus chapter 2, there's this beautiful call of Paul to Titus in the church to pass on the legacy of the faith. Let me read the first uh, few verses of Titus 2. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good— And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. So church family, let's pass on the faith. Older men, I'm talking to you right now, teach the younger men to be self-controlled. Older men, come alongside a younger man and teach him to be self-controlled. What does self-control mean? Whatever they're not showing self-control in, talk to them about it. Remember when you were a younger man and all the things you had no self-control in. Older women, this charge is for you. Teach the younger women to be self-controlled. In what areas? Whatever they're struggling with. Older women, teach the younger women to be self-controlled. Younger men, now I'm talking to you, younger men, teens and older men, younger men and teens, listen to some older men. Young men, listen to some older men. Your dad, a pastor, an elder, one of the other guys in this room that you look up to, your friend's father, listen to older men, especially when it comes to self-control. Young men, teen boys, the things you're doing right now that require self-control, God encourages you to listen to some older men about those things. And that means you shouldn't be getting most of your wisdom from a YouTuber who's under 30. All right? Young women, 
Listen to some older women, teens and young women. Listen to some older women, your mom, your mom's friend, your friend's mom, other women in this church that you look up to. Young women, listen to older women, especially about areas of self-control. And that means all the things your generation is doing. So don't get your wisdom from an Instagrammer who's under the age of 30. Don't get your wisdom. Look to the older women who love Jesus and who have been walking with him. And this will keep us healthy and safe. We all have this huge responsibility to pass the faith on. Isaac grew up in a home that believed in God's promises. Maybe you did too. Maybe not. But this church does. And we've seen God's faithfulness and we want to pass it on. Help us pass it on to the next generation by serving in children's ministry or signing up for VBS when we're doing that this summer. So there's an application for each person here. How can you apply this this week, the passing on of the faith? Tell one story to this church family of God's faithfulness. Tell one story regularly here of God's faithfulness to this church family. What story do we know you for where God stepped in and he was faithful to you? Tell that story here. Pass it on. On top of that, uh, raise your hand if you know for sure that you're in a family with four generations of strong Christian faith. Raise your hand if you're in that. Okay. All right. Put your hands down. I saw very few hands. You know what that means? That means we really need one another as a church family to pass this faith on. However, I did see some hands, and some of you have that blessing. Talk to your grandparents about their faith. Ask them about their grandparents' faith. If you know or are part of a family with four generations of faithfulness, trusting Jesus, tell those stories. And I know of at least one set here. We've got Arlene Clemens, and we've got Donna Ketterer. We've got Katie Strayhorn and Kevin Ketterer, and then we've got their two sets of kids. And I'm going to do something they didn't know was coming, but we have in this church family four generations of faith. Can we just thank God right now for him giving us that? (laughs) Praise the Lord for his faithfulness. You are part of a church that is passing the faith on to the next generation. Accept and receive that challenge from God and the fruit will change hearts and lives and it will have eternal consequences. Kids, ask your parents about your grandparents' faith. Ask for those stories and everyone, pass it on. Faith sees that God is faithful and passes it on. Well, second and finally and very briefly, we have Abraham's faith, but he died. Isaac's faith and he died. Jacob's faith and he died, and Joseph's faith when he died. Let me talk very briefly about funerals. I want to tell you something I say at a Christian funeral, and then the thing that I do at the end of every Christian funeral. Here's what I say. At the gravesite, when we're laying a body to rest in the ground, like Abraham's body and Isaac's body and Jacob's body, Joseph's bones, I invite everyone to come closer to the casket and I say, hear the word of the Lord. And then I read Psalm 23, which ends this way. As everyone is thinking about this saint who has died, what is their testimony? Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. When I lay you to rest, if I have the privilege of doing that, I am going to remind everyone that the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph was faithful to you every day of your life, and he is not done being faithful to you because you will be raised to new life on the last day and live forever in God's presence. You go immediately to be with the Father, but in your remade body, you will live forever in the new heavens and the new earth. I remind people of that when I put a body in the ground. And then I say some words of committal. And then at the end of my prayer, I say, In Christ rising from the dead, you, Lord, conquered death. You opened the gates to everlasting life. So renew our trust in you that by the power of your love, we shall one day be brought together again with... And then I say your name. Grant this, we pray, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And amen. And then I do something. And I try not to get noticed for it, but this is something I do. Every time I've laid a body in the ground, thinking about Isaac's faith and his generational faith and trusting God as you take your last breath, I walk over to your casket, and if you're in the casket, and I put my hand on the casket And I cried this Thursday as I was typing this part of my notes up. And I tear up almost every time I do this, depending on how emotional everything went that day. I'm thinking of that saint who died in Jesus. And I say, I'll see you soon. And then I walk away and that's the end of the gravesite committal for me. I don't say goodbye because it is not goodbye. I say, I'll see you soon, and I mean it because the tomb of Jesus is empty. Death is not the end of our lives, but only through Christ. If you've believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, to all who believe, we live past death. He has given us eternal life, and Isaac trusted in that, and he passed it on in his generation. May we be a church that passes it on. If you've trusted in Jesus... You have eternal life. And if you die first, I will remind your family of that at your funeral. Abraham believed God kept his word. Isaac believed God kept his word. Jacob believed God kept his word. Joseph believed God kept his word. Whoever told you about Jesus believed God kept his word. And if you believe in Jesus, your testimony will be like Isaac's. God is faithful. May God help us. Receive that grace and pass it on.